pleasure of talking with Leah Thomas over Zoom video. Leah was born and raised in Maui, which sounds like it'd be amazing. And from what she told us, it was. She currently lives in New York, which was a huge culture shock to her. And she talks to us a little bit about that. But born and raised in Maui, she got into piano at a very early age, started playing piano around four or five years old, started writing her own songs on piano at around eight or nine. In middle school, she took up the bassoon, which is interesting. If you don't know what that looks like, it's like a five-foot clarinet. So if you can imagine this little sixth grader playing a bassoon, but she did do that all through middle school. She got a guitar around that same age, and her dad was a guitar player, so he was really excited to have his daughter want to play guitar. So he took her down to the music shop, got her an electric guitar, taught her some chords, and from there on, Leah just started to teach herself how to play. She had a neighbor growing up that was moving off the island and he was an engineer producer type and he had all this equipment and he ended up selling it to, to her for a very good deal. So her brother who was five years older than her living in New York, his room wasn't being used at the time. So she turned his room into her own recording studio. So Leah talks to us about recording a bunch throughout high school, ended up moving to New York, kind of following her big brother and attending audio engineering school there. She talked to us about her first record she put out, being able to play shows not only in New York, but she was able to travel to Japan and kind of build a fan base there because she had family in Japan. She talked to us about where she was when the pandemic hit, actually on her way to tour Japan, but she turned around in, in Maui and came back to New York, and all about her brand new record, Mirrors to the Sun. You can watch our interview with Leah on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Leah Thomas. This podcast is all about you and your journey in music. Beautiful. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my name is Adam, by the way. Um, we always start off, where were you born and raised? So I was born and raised in Hawaii in a wow. very small town um, on the north shore of Maui. And yeah, I feel very lucky to have been able to um, grow up there. It was a really that's, special place. That's incredible. What was it like growing up there? I mean, a lot of people travel there, obviously, for vacations. Yeah, almost too many right now, actually. They're kind of experiencing a um, resource overwhelm. The infrastructure is not built for that, um, but that's another conversation. Oh, really? Just people are just heading there because they're so sick of being inside? I think so. I'm, I'm sure there's just, and I think foreign travel is also a little bit difficult still now. Um, and Hawaii is like the farthest from, you know, the states you can get while still being in this country it feels sometimes and um, sure yeah it's kind of intense actually the airports are like totally overwhelmed the traffic is insane i've just been hearing from a lot of friends like please don't visit maui right now <laughs> it's really um it's intense and they're having like water um shortage issues which Yikes. typically tends to affect the locals before it affects um the tourism area so it's kind of a complicated issue but you know i don't need to dive right, right into that. <laughs> of course but yeah that's just fascinating that people are all headed out that way yeah i mean it's it's a good place to go it's beautiful it's that's just limited in what very can very true well, what was it like growing up there um i mean really 
beautiful, you know, just surrounded by nature in any direction you look. Um, I, I just feel super lucky. It was also the, I was born in 1990. So I, I really grew up in like a, you know, a lot of my childhood was like pre-internet um, or like dial-up internet. And it was mm-hmm. like, it, it just kind of allowed you to really have this, like the kind of utopic idyllic, I think childhood where you're really connected and immersed in your surroundings and like not really worried about what, what else is going on um, out in the rest of the world, frankly. I mean, mm-hmm. you're on an island in the middle of the ocean. So um, it was really like a lot. It was just very focused on being present in in nature and just experiencing the world that was immediately around me, which mm-hmm. um, I think is, is a really lucky thing. It's not, not everybody gets to have that opportunity. I think we should, you know, I've been living in New York city for the last 13 years and I have um, since moving here recognized how special that is to be able to have that relationship with the natural world um, Uh as a really young person and like how much it can really affect your emotional state and your mental state. And um, yeah, I just, I wish and I hope for more of that connection to be available for young people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That must've been quite a culture shock. I would imagine going from Maui to New York yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of the most culture shock you can have i think yeah wow <laughs> yeah. well how did, how did you get into music um so i grew up in my parents are very artistic um in their own ways my dad um had a lot of different creative practices and he played guitar since he was a kid so i kind of just grew up with him you know playing guitar around the house and stuff and um i started on piano when I was like four or five, just taking piano lessons and easing, easing into it, you know, getting familiar with music theory and stuff. Um, and I kept that up for, for years kind of on and off. And I, that was the first instrument I was, you know, writing my own songs on and kind of getting the feel for songwriting. Um, maybe when I was like eight or nine or something like that, I started doing my own things. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe around 13 or so, I, I started to kind of recognize rock and roll as a more powerful influence in my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, dad, maybe I should get a guitar. Now. Get an electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Which he gladly, obviously, obliged. Uh, we immediately went to the local music store and he's like, pick out, you know, a thing. And he was really excited. It's, um, yeah. Was he able to teach you some chords and kind of yeah, get you he, started? Yeah, he kind of got me started. And then obviously, you know, my rebellious teenage self was like, I don't need any more lessons, you know. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to like read the magazines and like, you know, look up. The tab. Yeah. And like teach myself, dad, you know. But no, I definitely got like a core of um, just, yeah, like how scales are formed and that kind of a thing music theory um from him and from music classes in school and stuff like that mm-hmm. you said you're writing songs pretty early on i mean eight nine years old and i was on the piano mm-hmm. when did you start like writing full songs and showing them to people probably at the same exact time i would write oh them. really <laughs> <laughs> always a performer i was not shy about it no. okay <laughs> I remember like the very first time we had a piano recital at my um, 
like all of the students my piano teacher had. And I had a friend of mine, my, one of my best friends, you know, in first grade, and we we're like, both going to do the recital and she was not into it. She was, she's much more like private person. She's like, I do not want to do this thing. And I was just like, I'm ready. Like, let's do this. And I just remember <laughs> like playing whatever the little, you know, do 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 like song was and um, just being so excited. <laughs> like, like this totally, you know, just like really simple out of the box kind of, you know, looking at the notes on the paper and just being like, I'm, I'm killing it right now. This is That's great. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you starting or playing any bands growing up or were you in the school orchestra or anything like that i i was in the school band in middle school i was totally a band kid um okay I what'd you play i played the bassoon (laughs) 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 mostly i think i don't know i feel like everyone wanted to play flute or clarinet there was like 20 flute and clarinet players and i just i thought like Oh, the bass- no one else is playing the bassoon. That'd be kind of fun to be like the bassoon player. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I ended up being pretty good at it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's just because nobody ever wanted to play the bassoon in the band. But um, I like I was the sixth grader in the eighth grade band kind of thing. And my, you know, band teachers like you could have a career in being a bassoon player. <laughs> <And I was laughs> like, like maybe not though. <laughs> like maybe I want to just play guitar. The bassoon is like a hybrid of a, like a clarinet kind of saxophone looking thing, right? Where it has like, like the a, mouthpiece that kind of comes off like of a, the. It's like a five foot clarinet, like a giant <laughs> type of instrument. Okay. Yeah, it's enormous. Um, I can't imagine really seeing small. a little <laughs> a little sixth grader. Know. <laughs> you, know, you have to stand I'm, on a stool or something <laughs> to get to the mouthpiece. <laughs> <laughs> It was an underappreciated instrument, I think. It is pretty rad. It's a rad instrument. Just not like rock rock and roll. You can't sing and play bassoon at the same time, you know? Sure. That was my main goal. Okay. <laughs> How long did you play bassoon? Through high school? Uh, no, just just in middle school. Just a couple of years. Um, yeah, I quickly shifted into the guitar zone. Okay. And then did you do singer songwriter stuff or start join a band played a rock band yeah um there were not a lot of people on the island it's a small place you know to grow up i think there's only like maybe 130,000 people like permanent okay. residents when i was growing up there um so really small town vibes and the the uh the dominant music culture there is kind of more centered around like reggae or like roots and kind of island um ukulele Mm -hmm. um, you know native hawaiian music um which just wasn't really the genres that i was i was really drawn to and i had a hard time finding people in my high school that i really connected with musically um i mean i had a few friends that would come over and jam but we never had like a actual kind of band thing that was steady Mm -hmm. um so for, for me, the real turning point was when my a family friend of ours, um, he was kind of a home recordist and worked doing that kind of professionally as well. But he moved off the island and sold us his rig, his like, you know, Mac Tower and his, mm-hmm. that came with like logic and um, a few mics and really simple setup. But um, he sold it to us for really for really like generous price and um which I'm also just like in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that was so awesome that my parents really, 
you know, went that extra mile and helped me get set up. But I was going to say, that's pretty impressive that they are that big of a, you know, yeah, they were super supportive and it just completely opened the doors to me of like, oh, okay. Like if I don't have a band right now and I have all these ideas in my head, like there's no better way for me to get comfortable, you know, expanding my songwriting concepts and like getting a feel for arrangements and how to produce for a bigger project than by recording myself just over and over and over again so I would just sit in my bedroom actually it was my brother's my brother went to college five years before and so I like took over his old bedroom and turned it into my recording or studio studio <laughs> I'm like in his little closet and I had all my I turned the closet into a sound booth and you know I would just be in there for like from the moment I got back from school till like two in the morning every night. Wow. Um, and just got obsessed. I got totally obsessed with it and it opened my eyes to, you know, how, how the records that I loved were like making these sounds and getting to explore with, um, you know, effects and just like harmonies, like harmonizing my vocals and layering instruments and how to arrange for different parts and stuff. And, um, yeah, that was really like that was like my high school band was myself. <laughs> Yourself. I mean, that's in, that's impressive to be able to to take on something like that instead of just sitting around and trying to play coffee shops and do that kind of route you went into recording, which is a whole other beast in itself. Yeah, I think um I mean, I did some of the coffee shop kind of stuff as well, but there's just something so magical about the world that you can create, you know, re- in the in the world of a record and and Mm -hmm. putting the sound down um so i was really drawn to that like being able to create like a whole space that i could like live in and be immersed in and it just becomes very addictive Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) did you go to end up going to school for recording or engineering at all okay i did actually yeah um i that was the first thing i did when i moved to new york My, my brother actually moved here um he he's five years older than me as I mentioned and he went to Mm -hmm. college in New York and so I kind of visited every summer I'd save up my money and like you know go visit big brother in the big city and that's cool I really I knew um really since I started playing guitar because like all of my favorite musicians were coming out of New York and just the the lore of the music culture Mm -hmm. around the city I was totally focused on moving here um so by the time it you know it came around that I uh, graduated from high school, I was like, well, I know I want to move to New York. You know, it'd be nice to have something to to do and kind of focus on and get myself grounded when I get there. So I found an audio engineering program that was like a year long trade school and um, signed up. And yeah, it was nice. Wow. I actually met my my still bandmate and um, partner and he engineers and mixes all my records and stuff like that. We met at the school many years. Wow. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So while you're going to that school, were you playing in New York? Like how did you start getting, like how'd you cut your teeth in New York as far as being an artist? I mean, yeah, just kind of meeting people. Um, I don't know that I met too many people that I still am kind of within the same communities with um, from that school, but it, you know, meeting, meeting John, um, we still play together and he's like my biggest supporter and, um, yeah, we just keep meeting people and making friends. And that's really what 
<clears throat> keeps us going in the city, you know, is the people that are around us and doing their own things and like trying to carve their own way. Um, and it, yeah, it keeps us inspired and keeps us going. Mm -hmm. And you put out a record in what, 2017? Was that your first record? Yeah, my first solo record. Mm -hmm. Okay. Were you in a band prior to being a solo artist or was it always solo? I, I was, but it was like a, it was an experiment and I don't okay. know that, that exists on the internet anymore. <laughs> okay. So like the first real like serious attempt at this was as yeah. a solo artist. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, talk to me about that record. Was it, how was it putting out a, an album under your name and did you push it? Did you tour it? Like, yeah. Um, that record was kind of half of it was actually recorded with my previous band. And then the other half was recorded as an experiment um, that I wanted to make into an EP. And then we, my label and I were just talking about it and um, my label at the time and, and they were like, we should just combine them. It's a, just going to be an eclectic, interesting record. And they all feel like you because you wrote all the songs, you know, and so mm -hmm. I um, leaned into that and we released it as a full length. So it's kind of an amalgamation of like several years of my life of, of mm -hmm. songwriting and, and experimenting a little bit. Um, we, what did we do? I think we might have gone to Japan on that record. Oh, I, wow. My folks moved to Japan a few years ago. I'm half Japanese, so I have um, community and, and family out there. So it's been really fun to be able to kind of do, you know, local shows on the East Coast and then also be able to like take the music um, over there. And, uh, you know, I can't bring my band over. It's just a little too complicated at the moment. So mm -hmm. we, we tend to, John and I tend to like do slightly different performances of the songs. It, um, maybe sometimes it's more of like a folky rendition or more ambient um, kind of exploration of like like a long form version of of the different songs. So it's 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 a cool experiment. Um, it never gets old. You know, we mm -hmm. always try something different when we we're traveling like that. That's cool. When you played Japan, like especially for the first time, how is that compared to? I mean, performing in in Hawaii versus New York. Um. I can't tell if it's if it's because of the community that we have out there that is, you know, tends to be kind of like smaller spaces. Um, they're more intimate shows, but I think okay. it's also a cultural thing where maybe New York is just so saturated with music <laughs> and like a lot of the venues are in, you know, kind of like venues or like there's the bar over there and this is mm -hmm. the stage and um, there's kind of like a, a whole a whole culture around the like nightlife scene. Whereas mm -hmm. in Japan, the shows that we tend to play um, are more kind of like self-created spaces like or community design spaces. So um, it's not like a traditional kind of venue, you know, where there's like a bar and stuff like someone might set up like a organic drinks and whatever. And like oh, everyone, okay. everyone's very attentive and, um, you know, people come together to like put on the shows and we played some really wonderful spaces, like, a, you know, like an outdoor festival thing. And they like, it's just really like, I don't know how to describe, just has a, has a really sweet energy. Mm -hmm. um, people are really there to like take it in and, and to, to be a part of an experience. And I think there, there is definitely like a cultural aspect to that, but I think also maybe we're lucky because the people that we're connected with out there are, are very like of the, you know, of the earth. <laughs> sure. It's a community or kind of yeah. like, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John also plays uh, free jazz. And so we kind of we're we're starting to, you know, find more community around that in like Tokyo and stuff like that, which is much more like New York. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. play at a venue and stuff like that. Um, but it's a little tricky with the venues out there. They're very um, different. The way they're structured is very different. You you often kind of pay in advance for like a larger venue. You have to pay in advance to book the show and oh. you make your money back. So as a touring artist, um, it's quite challenging to organize something if you're still kind of like developing. As an oh, I can imagine because you're basically renting out the the venue, so to speak, for, mm-hmm. for that night and you mm-hmm. try to make your money back on ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh. a totally different format. Um, and not all of them are like that. And, you know, we tend to find like smaller, more intimate places, you know, maybe hold like 50 people or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, there's, it's like, it's kind of hard to, to make the jump. Um, but we've been really happy. I mean, some of my favorite shows that we've ever played have been in these kinds of community design spaces. And we played a temple a few years ago. Wow. That was just so like, you can't, you can't get that kind of a, ambiance you know sure playing in a regular venue so Mm -hmm. yeah well it's interesting because they kind of do that in la i'm from southern california i don't know if they still do this but when i was growing up there you had to basically sell a certain amount of tickets in advance if you wanted to play like the whiskey for example Mm. they would hand you like 100 tickets and if you didn't come back to the door that night with a thousand bucks you aren't playing basically (laughs) you know what i mean it's like yeah, you had to sell a certain amount of tickets to, to even get your band on the stage. So it's almost it's kind of similar in the sense that but this way you're basically taking a more of a risk because you have to pay up front and hope you get the money back. It's not right. you sell it out in advance and then right. provide the money. Right. While trying to like promote in a different country. <laughs> right. Right. Which is I'm sure. It, 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 yeah. Hard to do in itself. It's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, it's amazing you were able to, you know, even get get some shows and play there. It sounds like you've played some pretty amazing places. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel very lucky. It's it's just fun. I mean, we just have a lot of good good friends and people who are really willing to help out, you know, support so mm-hmm. to organize it all. Sure. And you have a new record coming out. Um, mm-hmm. We've released a couple songs from it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know where were you when the pandemic happened and how far along were you with this record? Um, so, yeah, so my new record is called Mirrors to the Sun and it comes out um, in a few weeks in, in, on July 23rd. Um, I actually don't know when this will air. Maybe it'll be after. But, um, we'll um, probably. Yeah. Somewhere around that time. I'm sure we'll put it out. Coming up <laughs> that, July yeah, 23rd. That, that's not my my area of this, but <laughs> not, not my area either. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so the mirrors to the sun, it was actually already finished before um, oh, the, it was. everything okay. kind of went into lockdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just kind of the pandemic kind of threw us for a loop just because we were kind of looking for a home for the record and um ended up just kind of sitting on it for a while and uh spirit house um said that they wanted to put it out and so it kind of it was like a, a late bloomer it was mm-hmm. finished for a while but it, it took us a few months to kind of get all the logistics um sorted through but it feels sure. really nice and i'm happy that um a lot of the songs still feel really relevant to the times I was kind of like wondering what it would be like to, you know, I feel like people's, a lot of people's perspectives have shifted on 
what life and the world and things mean right now. Right. Um, but I guess the truth is that we're still dealing with a lot of same problems and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a lot of the same emotions pre and post pandemic. So right. We are. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the pandemic, we've been in it for what, you know, a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. So it's not even, it's not even really, it's not even a thing in the rear view mirror yet. I mean, right. still, we're still in the midst of it all. Totally. I guess is, that my, my feelings around it have uh, at least lightened up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Those first few months were pretty terrifying. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, how it was something I just I talked to somebody the other day. We were, they were saying like, it was like, this doesn't happen here. You know, this is something right. that other, right. other countries or other places right. across the world, you know, they, they run into this problem and it's like, no, this is a worldwide mm-hmm. thing, which is yeah. just hard we're to even at, wrap your head around. We were actually on our way to tour Japan. Um, and we had stopped through Hawaii to see some friends and family. And uh, we were getting word that, you know, everyone was kind of from New York was like, are you sure you're going to go to Japan? You know, like maybe it's going to get crazy over there. Will you get back into the country? And so we were really like stressing out about like, what do we cancel our tour that we had spent months, you know, booking mm-hmm. and planning. And of course we ended up having to come back this way, but we landed back in New York, like the day before it went into lockdown. Oh, <laughs> so. wow. So you decided to pull the plug on it before everything, yeah. which is probably smart. I mean, wow. Imagine if you were there. Yeah. It, it just felt like it was, just too much going on but uh, you know to what you were just saying like I feel like a lot of people were like yeah it's like in Asia or like whatever and like, yeah are you sure you can be saving that I'm like we live in New York City like what's not gonna come through New York City <laughs> right and sure enough you know that was like the epicenter of it all I mean yeah. the, through the first months and months it was always yeah you got I mean New York was on TV the whole time I know it was crazy so yeah I mean wow that must have been a really really scary there yeah we were actually um we have a family john's family has a place in vermont so we were mostly kind of hidden away up there um for the the brunt of the that intense period that's good yeah good that you're yeah had a space to to you know a a go-to so to speak leave yeah yeah Yeah, we always joked that if the if a pandemic hit we would (laughs) We would go up to that house. <laughs> sure enough, it hit. <laughs> oh wow! I know what a what a wild time. A well, wild so time. so the record was done then, done prior mm-hmm. to all this. You had to kind of hold it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what do you, what do you do during the course? Were you writing songs? I'm sure you probably yeah. continued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was writing songs. Um, I was able to do some school kind of like studying that I hadn't really ever had time for. So there was like a weird kind of hidden gift of time and, um, you know, space in my life to do some other things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we actually, we, I mean, I, I wrote a bunch of songs. I recorded a bunch of songs last year as well. Um, But they're, they're not ready yet for the world. (laughs) And this one's coming out. My wings. Yeah, that's right. 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 The most recent one is Hummingbird, the most recent song you've put out? Um, we released a song called Howl in June. Oh, okay. Hummingbird and is the video, though, with the kaleidoscopes. That's the kaleidoscope video. My friend Carter Lou McElroy did the, um, did the like cut and paste collage. It's crazy. It's cool looking. Stuff. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, Howl has a music video as well that's kind of more of a traditional, like filmed, you know, 
style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I have another video coming out this this month, uh, the week of the record release for a song called Heat Keeps Rising. Cool. And is that going to be a more traditional video or is it going to be another animated like multimedia style? It's going to be, um, yeah, filmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And you also have a live performance or live stream coming up, right, in August? I do. Yeah, it's a, well, it's pre-recorded, but it's a live show that we'll be streaming um, on August 19th, I believe. Yeah. That'll be with exciting. Half, yeah, with Half Wave, which is really awesome. I love her music. Is, have you had a chance to play at all yet as far as like in front of live human beings? <laughs> I haven't. No, okay. I haven't um, really been prioritizing it at the moment. I'd mm-hmm. really love to be doing some more as this kind of album release cycle wraps up. Um, but TBD on uh, on some dates. I, I have some things I'd like to do in, in the city when the time comes. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. And I can't wait to hear the rest of the record. I really like the songs that you have out so far. Thanks. And I appreciate you doing this interview today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Awesome. Thanks so much for having me again. Of course. I do have one more question before I let you leave. Um, mm. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? I have so much. <laughs> <laughs> like things That's that good. Would, That's I a good like thing. Things that I would tell myself like looking back, but I think the most important thing that I would say is um just treat everything as an experiment, you know, never stop learning cuz like even if you feel like oh I'm going in a million different directions like who am I? What is my sound? Or whatever these questions are that, you know, for me that's what I'm constantly like looking for is like how can I make this feel like myself and um, to really listen to like what's trying to come forward from your own voice and your own story. Um, But the truth is that like there's so many different sides to you and it's really important to just kind of honor whatever wants to get sung or get written or, or, you know, be performed or whatever it is. And um, eventually like all of your experiments will kind of help you shape a vision of, yourself and who you are and what you